Hey everyone, this is Cameron from Renegade Animation on RenegadePopCulture.com. If you like what we do, please give us a like, a follow, and a rating on Apple Podcast and wherever else you listen to us. We are everywhere. That way, we can keep doing what we love, and that's talking about animation. And now, on with the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And today, we got a special one. We are reviewing what was originally intended to be a television series, but is now an animated music television special created by Kid Cudi and Kenya Barris, Enter Galactic. So this thing was announced back in... 2019 and it was going to be a tv adaptation of kit cuddy's eighth studio album but because of production delays i'm assuming that's kind of the reason why this was restructured into more of a feature film but since it's designed as a television special i'm going to assume that netflix is like yeah we're just gonna bury this like we bury all of our animation enough with the cynicism cameron your thoughts on this oh man i just loved intergalactic it's not just a mood or a vibe it is those things i consider it more of a experience kind of film of not just vibrant visuals and kid cuddy's amazing music but also a journey of love and romance and finding yourself in this world. It's exactly something I expected from Scott Mescutty himself because he seems like one of those artists that absolutely loves movies and giving the like listener or viewer a an experience. Oh yeah. I've been admittedly like a casual fan of his music, but even then I still recognize him as one of those multi-talented storytellers. You can kind of tell that like just by listening to a lot of his lyrics. They're mostly autobiographical. This I'm going to call it a movie. He is just gorgeous in every sense of the word, both stylistically and thematically. And the fact that it takes place in New York means I have a little bit more an affection for it. Were you like watching the film and being like, oh yeah, I know where that is. To an extent. I understand that. When I saw Death Proof, like, golly, that's like almost two decades ago now. When I saw that it took place in Austin and I was like, oh, I know where that is. (laughs) Or like Deport the Girls and such. I was like, I know exactly the location of that highway over of the end of that movie and such. So the main story is about a blossoming comic artist named Jabari voiced by Scott Menzcuddy, AKA Kid Cuddy himself. He finally gained his dream job of adapting his ideas or his character, Mr. Rager into a comic book by a comic book company called cosmic. And as he is celebrating and moving into his loft apartment with his two friends did they ever confirm that they were his roommate or they were just his friends they're just his friends jimmy and kai who are voiced by timothy chalamet and tyrone griffin jr 
or a Thai dollar sign. And he encounters two women. One is his ex that he broke up with named Carmen, voiced by Laura Harrier, and has a one-off, one-night stand with. And then he encounters his neighbor, Meadow, voiced by Jessica Williams, who is this up-and-coming artist. The movie is this journey, this adventure of Jabari finding like a method to his life of what he wants to do and what he wants his relationships to be like with Meadow and listening to his friends and other acquaintances about their viewpoints on relationships and just life in general. When you hear a multimedia project, it sounds like there's some hesitation to be had because, you know, when we talk about anime for every season, there's always like a multimedia project with like a video game or music. And it's like, oh boy, here we go. Like probably one of the things you could compare this to is the Daft Punk CD that came out. Oh, what was it? Discovery. This was like the Daft Punk album that got turned into an animated film that featured character from Interstellar 5555. And it was just a sci-fi animated feature based around all the songs from their Discovery album. And that's kind of what Intergalactic is, because it's named after the album itself. And a lot of the music throughout the whole thing is from that album. And whatever is not from the album is very lo-fi filler music, like fill the gaps in between the actual tracks from the CD. I think it works here more than Discovery. I love that project. You're into like really big mood and tone poem like experiences i adore in a cell of 5555 compared to intergalactic that is basically a glorified anime music video whereas this is a bit more i say more conventional in terms of storytelling only because there is actual dialogue but the visual presentation is still operating more on like dream logic but that's the kind of stuff you can get away with in animation versus live action We've seen like these weird concept stuff things burn up upon entry like, oh, what was it? The Sticks album, Mr. Roboto. There's always something to be a little like, okay, let's see what happens here. But I think Mescuddy and Kenya Barris had more of a idea of what to do because it is a romance story first and a vibe tone experience second. The overall story is mostly just focusing on Jabari and Meadow as their relationship blossoms. And then they hit a fairly predictable, maybe you could have seen it coming conflict within the third act that separates them. But they do weave in different little story arcs for them. Jabari has to deal with the comic book company that he's working at. And that one guy who comes in is like, Hey, listen, I love your stuff, but you might have to... uh... White, bright, and light. Yeah. They basically made the comic company pull a Disney by saying like, hey, we want you to make stuff for us, but we don't want you to make your stuff. We want you to make stuff that works for us. Which, you know, (laughs) that kept going through my head because it's like, 
anytime a filmmaker comes out with something great and very interesting and more art driven, you know, Disney's like, okay, I got to get this person's phone number because I want them to make something for us. While that's not a main vocal point of the movie, it's still woven into his arc. And maybe they could have focused on it a little more, but I'm glad that it's just more about will they, won't they romance between the two. Same. I bet if this were to be like a full series, like originally intended, they would have like a whole episode devoted to Mr. Rager, which by the way, is the name of a song off of his second album. The character himself and the small little appearance that he has is voiced by Keith David. (laughs) Which is just perfect. I kind of would love to see what Mescutty could do with series based on Mr. Rager as a character or or like another concept film or something like that. I would love to see kind of like a story within a story. Like if there's ever like a second part to this narrative, have maybe like segments of Mr. Rager's comic book adventures within that would be pretty cool it kind of reminds me of the little nicholas film that i'll be seeing that animation is film because it's not just about the comic it's about the guy who made the comic also so it's like interwoven between the two and such that actually would make a lot of sense and has been done before so what did you think about the overall journey that these two made on whether they will or will not get together. If you've watched enough romantic comedies, you kind of know what the end result is. But still, I found the romance very sweet and very relatable. These are just two individuals who happen to have great chemistry and you want to see them get together by the end. I also like her best friend, Karina, voiced by Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, she's great. I like Ty and Jimmy, and I think they have a lot of great dialogue sequences with one another and with Jabari. But it's really everyone else that helps wrap everything up. Like, for example, I think seeing the guy that Meadow has to deal with, uh, Reed, the art dealer, I've seen those kind of guys before. It's very, like, much. And I liked that Christopher Abbott played him, and he's been around for a while, or, like, these last few years like he was in catch 22 where he was the main character and he was in like on the count of three as one of the main characters there and but i think if i had to pick my favorite character and there's like a lot of fun characters here there's there's lynn who's voiced by arturo castro who is jabari's co-worker who came in and was kind of like busting his chops a little and i liked his interactions with jabari and how jabari was very passive aggressive with him totally i love like when he fixes his glasses and he's just doing it with his middle finger and lynn just does not get the pint. <laughs> but i think my favorite character was downtown pat voiced by macaulay culkin i think he has or one of the emotional gut punches to the films just like do you find love Hold on to it. I loved his introduction of him doing that cool bicycle trick and then hitting the pavement. Well, first of all, that looked like that hurt. He is so chill that he dislocated his arm in that sequence. And I would have just been like, 
horrified. I can't help but like squirm every time I see people like just getting hurt like that. I'm like, Ugh. the way he just kind of plays it off like nothing happened is delightfully silly. It was very amusing to hear uh, Jordan, who's voiced by Jaden Smith. He's only there for one scene. And it makes me wonder if this was like the limited series that it was meant to be how much of a role he would have played. He's just there for really one scene while Jimmy and Kai are the ones who take up most of Jabari's time. I loved that Kai has all these stories and like this weird mixed up philosophy about life. Jimmy is there just like sort of questioning his logic at point. Well, they're all questioning his logic at times. When Kai tells Jabari about the whole laundry room incident... And all that Jabari took away from that was, I have so many thoughts. It was just like, okay, that was a lot to dump on me. But first of all, she wasn't your neighbor. (laughs) And then Kai just like, huh, you're right. Or like Kai saying that one thing when they're hanging out in the park before uh, Jabari and Meadow actually hook up. Jimmy is just like, dude, who hurt you? It's a very delightful cast. And we have, along with everyone else that we've mentioned, Daniela Pabluena. We have Tiana Taylor. Maisha Mascutty plays Jabari's older sister, which, again, probably had more to do within the overarching narrative. Like, if this was a show. But she's there just to be like, listen, you really love this woman. Go see her. And... Francesca Real and Louise Guzman, who plays the mover at the very beginning. I enjoyed the overall cast. I thought they brought like a bit of their own personality and insight to the overall journey for Jabari to realize like what he wants in life. Yeah. The thing about this voice cast is, you know, they say there are no small parts. Everyone from like the main cast to like people who only have one line they still put like everything into that performance i like miss cuddy as an actor i recently saw x and i thought he was very good in that i haven't seen him in much else i know he did some work with kenya barris for hbo like a decade ago with how to make it in america but i think he's i think he is good at it i thought he was one of the bright spots of x and he played his character very well he is very multi-talented it's rare that you get someone who can excel at like everything from music to acting to other sorts of performance art somehow he's just good at all of it because i mean we've seen that all the time we see actors who want to be directors and their directing stuff is just either fine or not great with the rare once in a blue moon experience of like oh hey this was actually really good. I mean, it's that whole thing of, of just like, I don't want to just be an actor. I want to direct. And it's like, good luck with that. But here, I want to see more of what he can do with his music, if he wants to keep working with animation or live action and such. And the animation, golly. Like, it's become a cliche to say how much Spider-Verse really did just kick the door down in the animation industry. We're far enough removed from Into the Spider-Verse that, like, you can genuinely attribute that as, like, as an influence for 
productions that are coming out in the next like couple years. They really did shake up the industry with their stylized animations. I think this film has a little bit of City of Ghosts vibe into it, just like with the lo-fi beats, the atmosphere, the mood, the movements and such. I know some people were bothered by the low frame rate of the characters and such. And yeah, sometimes it can be like, okay, maybe you could have added a frame more here and there. But maybe it's just because I've drenched myself in so much animation from around the world and such. But the low frame rate thing never really bothered. I'll go a step further and say, like, I've kind of embraced that sort of low frame rate style. Granted, it depends on whether or not, like, the art style matches that frame rate. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But here they really do make it work. And the characters are still very expressive. You can still tell what's going on through their heads as they're, each of them are talking to one another and such. And they do like mix things up every once in a while. Like when Kai talks about his sexual encounters with the woman in the laundry room, they do this really cool 2D look. And then when... Meadow is talking with her Karina. They do this kind of faux anime art style of when they're at that. The Ninja New York restaurant. I know that sounds absurd, but man, I've seen places like that. It's not just a whole industry in Japan to have weird gimmicky restaurants. They have brought that kind of idea here in the States. Don't be shocked if you actually run into something like that or a very interactive wild dinner theater kind of and i know that like oh the ninja thing is a little silly oh no i've seen that i forgot where exactly it was it might have actually been the one they mentioned in the film where people dress up as ninjas and do the whole thing of like having secret passageways all over the restaurant so the people dress up as ninjas can like go in and out and in between Without being seen. The restaurant is closed. There is an actual restaurant called Ninja New York. Yeah, I bet that's the same one then. (laughs) Yeah, it has to be. And the fun, simple art style of when Macaulay Culkin's character, Downtown Pat, is talking about the night he encountered this woman. And they both had shrooms together. was very charming and cute. Like, they find ways to make this a mixed-media animated experience. And such. And if you're wondering, like, how much the film goes into, like, the more abstract visuals of, like, Jabari and Meadow riding on the bike, and then it's just them in outer space, it's not always there, but they pick and choose when to do it. And maybe they could have done more. I think they should have done more at some point and just go all out. But, you know, production issues and such as much as i would like to see more of those like sort of esoteric moments i can still just appreciate them as much as i'd like to see more i just genuinely appreciate that we have them in the first place because again in animation even in the most like conventional i use that term loosely story you still leave your leave room to have those sort of off-kilter moments like if you overdo it with the visuals it loses its wow factor and such. A lot of the times this film is really just showing off a track or two from the CD and such. But 
like showing a montage and just getting you into a mood of like what they what the characters are doing and the atmosphere revolving around them. Like when Do What I Want plays, it's Kai, Jabari, and Jimmy going around New York, going to different parties, taking drugs, and just taking in the journey, the atmosphere, and the nightlife of it all and such. Like this film's a lot of things. Like I said, it's not just a mood. It's a journey of the human experience. And I know that sounds so pretentious, but it truly feels like that kind of movie. I hear you. And it's honestly just one of those projects that you just have to experience for yourself. Whether you're a fan of Kid Cudi's music or you just want to see a familiar story, but done in a more experimental style. Yeah, because I've seen this thing with animation from across the oceans and what you see at Annecy are full of animated features that go a more experimental route with storytelling. And there's pretty much a reason why we don't see half of them get brought over because like when you go to like a film festival, like Annecy animation is film or as a recording, this fantastic fest just ended. You have to have a combination of some crowd pleasers, some for more involved film fans. And then you get to have the stuff that's just like so experimental, so out there that only like a certain group of people will get. You can't just have that last third be your whole festival because I've seen so many that animated features from across the world where it is very experimental, not very straightforward. And they can be a chore to sit through. Here, Intergalactic has the right balance of a story and themes and characters that you can follow and understand, while also just having a blast with the color palette of the... Like, golly, just looking at one of the photos on my review thread, the purples, the yellows, the blues. It's another one of those films that... It's very much every scene is a painting. Basically. And I also just love the way that this movie depicts the New York City nightlife, you know, with all the, ne- the neon colors of, of like the lights on the streets and all of that. They honestly do a really good job at like at visualizing the city that never sleeps. And the film does a lot of small, smart little visual storytelling touches. Like when Jabari encounters his ex-girlfriend, the first thing you see is the FedEx truck. And then when that truck moves, the X is still there. And I thought that was very smart. Or like when he's dealing with his co-worker, Mr. Rager is just like, oh my gosh. Like, why? <laughs> I love that bit. And it is amusing that when, after Mr. Rager is done moving, after that whole discussion sequence, it stays like that. Because that's how the current mindset of our main character is portrayed just like really i think i know what i'm doing the romance is handled very well it's adorable i love their chemistry together i do like how this film handles the theme and topic of sex like some of it's very like old school it's like no we're not gonna have sex on the first date 
And some are just saying like, hey, you know what? Just trust yourself. If you're both okay with it, then just have fun. Take a very a very mature approach to it. It's not necessarily overdone. They're both smart. They know what they want, or at least they think they do. And it the nudity is shot very tastefully. What I like about that is that animation has shown off sexual themes and moments of intimacy, but it never quite handles it well, just like how a lot of live action productions don't. Like the nudity is tasteful. It's not there just for titillation for the audience. You don't even see a lot of the nudity itself, like with how the camera is shown and such. Very much not relying on just, like early on in the streaming era, where they're like, oh, we don't have to follow guidelines on TV anymore. Let's just shove in all the nudity and sex that we can. And then people were like, why is there not like a intimacy counselor? on set for this stuff and now that we have that it's way better it did seem like in the beginning there was a little bit of overcorrection when it came to like i guess in a way freedom from standards and practices but it seems like now creators have found a more steady groove because it's like we're at that point now where we're like okay we don't need to see someone naked or someone doing it with another or just all of this sex even if it's revolving around something about like a setting or a story around sex, because after a while it's like, okay, this is great, but I still want the characters to be endearing or I want to invest my time with them. And they do that here with intergalactic it's story first. If you're looking for a unique experience on Netflix, as long as they have them with animation, definitely give this one a watch. Yeah, definitely give Intergalactic a watch. You will walk away very satisfied. Agreed. So next time we'll be talking about the anime series Odd Taxi as a whole, and not just as another Impressions podcast. And we'll be taking a look at the pseudo-recap film, but not entirely a recap film, Odd Taxi Into the Woods. I'm looking forward to finally getting to talk about this one. But until then... Cameron, where can everyone find you online? You can find me on Twitter at CamsEyeView. I run my own website called CamsEyeView.biz, where I review animated films and shows from around the world called The Other Side of Animation. I also have a Patreon at Patreon.com slash CamsEyeView. That's where you can find me. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. We're also on Podchaser, on YouTube, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. In escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.